now we're at a time where everyone's kind of like, well, well, what do I do now? Everything that I built before is, you know, broken, quote unquote. But again, there's so much you can use, right? What will always be true in mobile marketing? There's been a ton of change in marketing measurement, data access, performance marketing, all that stuff in 2021. And guess what? There is probably more coming chat through that, we're actually talking with Liz Emery at Tenuity today. She's a senior director of mobile and ad tech at, of course, Tenuity. Welcome, Liz. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you. Super happy to have you. Let's just start here. I mean, 2021, right? <laughs> All the mobile marketing advertising changes. What has hit you the hardest? That is a really fun question, I think. You know, the biggest thing I always tell people, and you've probably heard me say this from all of our conversations, but change is constant in our industry. And, you know, again, not the first time, will not be the last time. I always think back to like the days of like the do not call list and things like that. But I think the biggest thing, obviously, for me, that's been one of the hurdles that we're still trying to tackle as an industry is changes to attribution, right? When it comes to mobile marketing, I think targeting like changes with the IDFA, those are an impact, but I really feel it when it comes to attribution, because all of the models that we've built over the last couple of years that are being fed by, you know, unique identifiers are kind of like, oh, okay, what do we do now? Right. <laughs> we're like based on multi-touch attribution. What do we do now that we're back into this last click world? Right. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge that keeps me up at night. Well, it's actually really interesting because we have been sort of, especially in mobile attribution, there's been a lot of last click. Now, of course, there's in some cases, SK Ad Network, there's only last click, but there are some helper ad networks that you can see some loser postbacks, that sort of thing. And also there's a push to a broader view of all the data that you're putting in at the top funnel, my campaign data, all that stuff, and any signals you might be getting anywhere else along the way for, you know, maybe things like incrementality, maybe things like even media mix modeling. We could talk about how applicable that is and how applicable it isn't, but you're right. There's innovation happening here and people are having to change how they measure success. Yeah. And I think you're seeing it with like, you know, at least for me, like on LinkedIn or just anywhere, the more ads that I'm seeing like directed towards me, it's around incrementality. It's like, Hey, are you doing this kind of modeling? Right. So I think that these kind of companies are now really pushing and we're pushing our clients to innovate, right? You have to, mm -hmm. you can't sit there and be like, okay, well, this is what I did before. It doesn't work. I'm just not going to invest. That's not the right strategy. Right. So innovating in terms of attribution is key. I'm working with a lot of clients on projected models. So projected LTV, projected ROAS, using what you mentioned, John, like, you know, your SK ad network data, the data that you have in your MMPs, some of the data to your point that you can get from partners still, your own in-app analytics. Like there's a lot you could still do. It may not be like, okay, I'm 100% sure the revenue came from this partner, but there are things you can do to project further out than what you can see right now with the changes in attribution. Liz, that is so interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if almost, were we almost cheating <laughs> for like a decade or five years of saying, hey, we have perfect knowledge on this one measurement. <laughs> and that is going to tell us whether we failed or whether we succeeded. And we're going to predicate everything on that one measurement. 
we're now in a much more complex world. We still have some last click data. We still have SKAD network and iOS. We still have the whole GAID, the Android ad ID on Android, obviously, uh, Google Play. But we're having to look at all these other signals, all this other data, and it's a little more complicated, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, right? Because I think one of the things about our <laughs> I'd like simple. <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like the thing about our industry is like, okay, this is how it is. This is how it's going to work. This is simple. This is what I'm going forward with. And now we're at a time where everyone's kind of like, well, well, what do I do now? Everything that I built before is, you know, broken, quote unquote. But again, there's so much you can use, right? There is a renewed focus on historics, right? There is a renewed focus on in-app analytics. There's a new focus on a lot of different pieces that you can actually use to, in my mind, almost do attribution in a stronger way because you're using more than one piece, right? You're using more than one element. Wow. Talk about in-app analytics. How would you use that? Would you use that to understand your users better, understand them maybe on who they are, what they do, what their interests are, and use that for targeting? Yes, yes. So you can use it for targeting. I've been talking a lot about using it for your conversion value, right? And using it for doing these projected models. And, you know, what I mean by that is if you understand, you know, the first six events that drive, you know, whatever your end goal is, let's say it's purchase, right? And then you have six events tagged, you know, that get reported back in your conversion value. If you can understand that 20% of people who sign up go on to make a purchase, right? And then the next event is add to cart. And 40% of people who add to cart go on to make a purchase. You can do some like, I guess, back napkin math to kind of project out where things are going to go. You have a better understanding of how you set your conversion value, um, how you find quality users. So there's, there's just a lot of... I guess, magic within that in-app analytics, if you understand that to leverage in your media strategy, that makes it go a lot further right now. And you said six pieces of information, which seems to correlate with six bits that you're getting from SCAD network. Ta-da. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Talk about, you mentioned, you also mentioned historical data or historicals. What are you talking about there? Yeah, I think that there should be, if there's not already, you know, a heavy focus on historic performance to help model your current performance and to get a better understanding. And, you know, one of the things I always think about is just because, and I tell people this, just because we can't see exactly, you know, what someone's doing on their phone to the level of granularity that we could before, doesn't mean their behavior has changed, right? Like I'm an iPhone user, my behavior with ads and installs and like the whole process that hasn't changed. It's just mm -hmm. your ability to have my IDFA and track me across sites and apps that has changed. So using historics is not a bad way right now as we as an industry adapt to get a general idea of what your actual revenue is going to be, what your return on ad spend is going to be. It's a really good directional thing to leverage right now because again, the people haven't changed, just what we could see has changed. That is really, really interesting to leverage for what you're doing in your app, what you're doing for your advertising. And I didn't think about that, but that's also interesting if you're thinking about doing some kind of incrementality testing or media mix modeling or something like that. That's a good baseline. If your app's been around for a few years, this is what usually happens in January. This is what usually happens in June. That sort of thing. You've got to do some normalization, obviously, for your growth over those times and everything like that. But that could be really interesting there. 
Yeah. And, and, and you always have to consider things like what's going on in, you know, competitive, what's going on in the world at, you know, the certain quarter and, and factor in those things. But like I said, directionally, it gives you kind of a leg up versus just kind of going into it being like, okay, I don't know anything about anything. I'm just going into this and running this and assuming whatever measurement I get back is perfect. Instead, you have a little bit of knowledge behind you so that when you get the information back, you can kind of, you know, analyze it versus historics and, and use that a little bit. Really, really interesting stuff. I wanted to talk about some things you're doing differently now. And maybe even before we get into that, we've seen a lot of money in the last couple months flow out of iOS and go to Android. Somebody's got a growth target. Maybe it's a user number they need to hit, an install number they need to hit, whatever the case might be. And they're just shifting the budget over. And we've seen prices rise there. We've seen some bargains on iOS. Have you done some of that? Or have you said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna swim the other direction. And um, there's now a sale on installs on iOS and here we go. Yeah, yeah. I am swimming in the other direction. Like I understand the appeal of moving towards Android, you know, because you still have that full visibility. But I, you know, two things. One, I don't think Google's very far behind, right? If you think about Android 12 that's coming out and the privacy center there. So that's going to be something to watch. Um, but beyond that, again, it goes back to consumer behavior, right? A lot of the time people make more money on iOS users. And again, their behavior hasn't changed. So I think that shifting to Android, fine, if you want to do that, but I think you're missing out on a core audience. And I think mm -hmm. on that, it, it is like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. If there's an opportunity, like you said, there's an opportunity on iOS to test different things right now. And I think you should be doing that if you're an advertiser, like you should be testing contextual. You should be testing, you know, this no ID traffic and see what it looks like for you. You should be using, you know, SCAD and getting some kind of baseline right now. I think hiding from it or putting your head in the sand is not the way to go. So I always recommend still investing in iOS, still investing in Android, but you definitely need to understand what's going on related to your business. So being in iOS is still, you know, a big thing for the clients that we work with. So tempting to put your head in the sand. I mean, sometimes very comfortable in there. I want to just, I wish I could do it. I just can't, I can't get myself there, but that would be really nice. <laughs> after you retire, after you retire, you know, and it's, <laughs> there you exactly. go. That's like, sand from now on. <laughs> I want to touch on something that is absolutely brand new and I'm not even sure it's out officially yet. We're in this space, so we know what's going on. And by the time this publishes, it will have come out is Facebook AMM, uh, Advanced Mobile Measurement, where Facebook is taking away some of the granularity on what's going on for installs driven by Facebook, something that large publishers, large advertisers uh, have really used. What are your thoughts around that? You know, I, I'm not surprised that this happened, right? The whole industry is making a move towards aggregated view, right? Like we're seeing with iOS 14.5 and how attribution is now done. So when I saw this, I wasn't shocked, right? And it's it's very similar to what happened with you through not too long ago within the Facebook world. Uh, I think the interesting part here is, is how MMPs adapt to it, right? Because within the Facebook platform, you're going to see certain things within, um, you know, your MMPs, there's going to be different things available, right? And Facebook is no longer going to be available in device level AMM reports, but 
MMPs, like they're all impacted, but they're all talking about different things of how they're going to show data to us. So I think yeah. that's the most interesting thing for me is how MMPs adapt to this, because it'll be interesting to see what they provide, because they do have additional insights that we don't get. And their relationship with Facebook is different than Facebook's relationship with advertisers and brands. Yep. And just to put that out there so everybody's fully aware of what you're referring to, MMPs will still get that device level data. MMPs yep. are audited. Uh, they're in a program. They're audited with their ability to maintain the levels of privacy and data control that Facebook has mandated. And in this case, Facebook has said MMPs can get that device level data, but advertisers can't. So it'll be very interesting for MMPs who are really good at data management, data analysis, data science, machine learning, other things like that. Huh, what can I do? Can I upload some of my LTV data, some of my events data? where on the MMP, they can match that, combine some of that data, and then give me insights that are aggregated, perhaps by cohort, perhaps by campaign, whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden, I can get the same results. I had to go a different path. That's what you're referring to, right? Yes, yes. Because what we know now is that MMPs can only share click-through data with brands at an aggregate form or an aggregate level. But they are still saying that all of those additional models that and each one's a little different, every MMP, but all those additional models that you just mentioned, they're like, these are still going to work, right? Because they're going to power them on the back end. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what that ends up looking like. And, you know, I think something that not everyone is aware of is this is all operating systems, right? This is not just like, oh, okay, iOS data, they're doing it across iOS, Android, they're doing it regardless of consent, right? So like regardless of someone opting into the ATT prompt or not, regardless of what ad personalization level they have set. So this is like, you know, them preparing for, you know, what I mentioned before, Android 12 and whatever happens with the GAID in the future. So, um, yeah. That's a really good point that you just made there because iOS is kind of toast anyways, because of the dual opt-in nature, you're not going to get more than five, 10% of the data that you would have previously in terms of getting IDFA, but Android, you were getting everything from Facebook. Now you're not getting that Android ad ID, that GAID toast gone, done. Great point. It's interesting that you mentioned Android, Android 12, the new sort of privacy labels that are going to be attached there. They're asking for that data now. They're not specifying how they're going to use it, but we assume it'll come out something similar to the app store there. Yep. They also announced this new app set ID. And I think people briefly got excited there. Oh, wow. It's sort of an IDFV for Android, uh, but they clarified you can't use it for ads personalization. Yep. Yep. And I think, you know, I am one of the camp that you can't circumvent what's happening, right? We get excited when we get IDFB, we get excited over like this ad set ID, but the reality is, is how we look at attenuity is trust is like this bi-directional relationship, right? And so when they're making these changes, they're not making these changes with, oh, hey, here's a loophole, take this, right? Like we just have to realize that we're changing as an industry, right? And we have to make this work because it's being driven by people, right? Like, you know, people asked for this, they were tired of data leaks and their information or thinking about shoes and then getting an ad for it when they're on some kind of platform and not even saying it out loud, right? People got kind of tired. And that's when we saw like the government, right? With GDPR, with state level legislation and the platforms are responding. And this is all being driven by people's preferences. 
I mean, we're even seeing it in Netflix now, right? There's there's shows like The Social Dilemma or episodes of Black Mirror that have some kind of take on social media and, and these different elements. So I look at like ad set IDs and IDFEs, great. But like I said, we just kind of have to move forward with using the information we know we have and using the information that's proprietary to us as brands or advertisers and make that work, right? And whatever ends up coming down to complement that, great but we should be using what we know we're going to have. Let's take a look at all of this and take a step back, uh, maybe go up to the 30,000 foot level and talk about how the gaming or growth ecosystem at large is reacting to some of these changes. Um, first party data, what's happening there? How has that become more important? Yeah, so I've always been an advocate for first party data but you know if you read and if you go online and you search like anything right now first party data pops up like how you should be using it how to collect it we're doing a lot of advisement to brands on different ways to collect first party data with consent in mind right um we're talking to a lot of our brands and marketers about how to use you know what i mentioned before in-app analytics or you know tracking pixel data on your websites and, and using that right because there's a lot of ways to leverage it one life cycle that's you know always been important but a renewed focus on life cycle i think is kind of happening right like there's a shift of dollars from user acquisition wide net to retaining the users you have using first party data for personalization and i think that's really interesting because i think people are like well they hate personalization this is why all this is happening they don't hate personalization they just hate it when it's done in a creepy way like i think it was like 65 percent of people want personalization just done in the right ways and at the right time. And lifecycle is the right time to use first-party data for personalization. For user acquisition, it's a little bit trickier, but that doesn't mean you can't use it, you know? And I think that we're going to see a lot more like walled garden content, you know, fortresses or whatever you want to call it popping up pretty soon, you know, using their first-party data that they get from their users. So I just think first-party data is going to be the name of the game in growth to some degree you know, now and moving forward. Well, that's the perfect segue because I mean, the next thing I wanted to bring up was mergers and acquisitions, which you've seen it at an unprecedented level over the last six months and yeah, maybe 12 months, even Bungle, jet fuel, digital turbine, fiber, what's going on there? What's happening? Why is it happening? I have my own theories uh, on this. <laughs> That's one of Black and Eden. <laughs> you, you, you know, John, like I'm not always, like my theories are not always the most popular, right? Um, but Does it include I, the Illuminati? I mean, you know. I, I, I have like foil hats all over here. So oh. left, you get to see them. And like, I have like room darkeners and I just sit here and have like conspiracy <laughs> theories. Uh, yeah. Are they watching right now? Are they listening? Probably. Like now I'm now like looking around, trying to find a camera or something. <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, one of the reasons we're seeing this is the points of differentiation, right? Like the points of differentiation, I think I've mentioned this to you before when we've chatted, between these companies is, you know, slowly shrinking, right? Especially in certain realms, right? In certain avenues of what we do, um, those differentiation points are not really there, right? Whether that's super granular targeting or... We could do lookalikes at the scale or, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like those points are kind of going away. And some of the unique things that are making things appealing are incrementality type things. It's new types of targeting. It's, you know, being able to have AI that powers things. Like I just see these acquisitions happening partially because 
you know, companies need to expand their capabilities. And this one has something that makes this other company stand out, right? Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of that when I read in between the lines. Um, but again, everyone has different opinions on that, but that's like where I hold true when I vet partners. And you also mentioned content fortresses. You mentioned the fact that, you know, you've got these acquisitions that are happening. So people have more first party data, correct? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that content, like, you know, partners that are, were really worried in the beginning about the IDFA going away at the end of the day, they're going to be in a better spot than other, you know, partners out there because of their ability to access first party data, right? Their ability to have first party data that people opt in to give them. So I think that that's going to be a really strong play. And I think it was, it might've been TikTok. They're still doing ad personalizations based on like the content you consume, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of the ATT prompt. So I think that's going to be something really interesting for us to watch because I think more and more, if you look at like Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, they're all coming out with new offerings within their platform that play within that content space, that play within, you know, the e-commerce space. Like it's, it's just, you're seeing these large platforms shift to accommodate what's happening right and a lot of that is related to content and that makes a ton of sense right i mean like what i double tap on tiktok has a lot to do with what i'm interested in you know it has its limitations just because i like this cat video doesn't mean i'm in the market for a pet um but you know it has a lot of psychographic potential which should translate to decent amount of intent as well I want to shift from all these changes that are happening structurally and data-wise, governance-wise in the industry to talk about um, kind of eternal truths. Can I say it that way? Uh, yeah. What will remain true no matter what changes in the ecosystem, no matter what the technology changes, what will remain true about brands that have something that they want to bring to a customer and they want to communicate with them? Good question. So there are a couple of things that are popping into my head right now. The first one is owned media. Like, so the channels that you own, I've seen a major shift and I'm pushing for a major shift to leverage those platforms a lot better. Um, so I think that's going to hold true. Like the investment in owned has to increase and it has to be used properly. And I think that's going to stay true forever. Right. Um, I think on top of that, my second one is, is lifecycle marketing. Again, you hear me talk about this all the time, but investment in lifecycle marketing, it costs more to bring a new user in than to retain the users you have. So I think that's going to hold true based on the space. Cause like, no matter what kind of privacy things happen, when someone gets to your experience and opts in, they're in your experience. They said, here's my email and you can reach them in the right ways. And then I think that, you know, my biggest thing here is, is I don't see any investment in like social going away. I don't see any investment in search going away, in display going away. Because the reality is, is that mobile, like there are more people on their phones more often for more time, right? And a lot of the time they're consuming content. So I just don't see investment going away on these channels. I do see flu more fluid budgets than probably ever before as all these privacy things happen, but I think that people are like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop investing here. I'm no longer going to do display. I'm not going to do this like paranoid, paranoid running around. And I'm like, these, everyone's going to survive this, right? Like we're going to come out the other side stronger with new solutions, 
different ways to do attribution. It's just, I think that there's going to be more fluidity in budgets coming uh, up. Interesting. Interesting. And let's talk about agencies. You're part of an agency. Tenuity is an agency. And it's quite interesting actually to have this conversation, not only just because it is interesting um, intrinsically, but also because having a conversation at this level about technicalities and the structure of the ecosystem is unusual with somebody with an agency. <laughs> You're an unusual person in a very good way. Uh, <laughs> what agencies need to learn, adapt, change to win this year and next year? Yeah, I think there are two pieces of advice that I would give to agencies. Number one, don't wait until things happen. I saw that a lot with iOS 14.5 plus um, is agencies not advising clients on the changes, right? They're like, we'll just wait until the changes happen and then we'll change our strategy. You can't do that with what's happening in the world. You cannot do that because once it's here and it's happening, you're months behind. So I would say staying on top of the changes because there's more coming, right? Android 12, iOS 15, you know, cookies down the road, you know, privacy. Like there's just more things happening. And if you just kind of sit and go, Where the cookie? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but like you see it, like I see it a lot, right? As I see it on the agency side, but I also will see it on the brand side sometimes being like, I'm not going to act until it happens. And then like a part of me gets like really sad, right? But I try and like smile during it. But that's one of the main things is don't wait till it happens. And I, I think, you know, the second thing I had is your relationship as an agency with brands does have to pivot a little bit because you can no longer be this execution arm for a brand. You can't just be like, okay, I'm going to spend your money. I'm going to get a percent of your money, like in fees and X, Y, and Z, and that's it. You have to be a partner more so than ever before. And what I mean by that is because the space is changing, you have to advise them on what they should be doing for measurement. You have to bring new models to the table, even if you're not running that channel. So like, let's say that I'm just running social for a brand, you should be saying to them, hey, you should shift money X, Y, and Z, right? You should be looking at your owned experiences. Hey, your user experience, I'm not surprised you're losing everybody at, you know, onboarding. So it's like, you have to be almost like that consultant slash partner now versus like, I'm going to run your media like I've been running it for the last five years as your agency. There's been a shift. And if you don't have the ability to do that, you know, hire somebody in your agency that does to have those conversations with your brands to, you know, prepare them and navigate this. Because it's not an easy time for us as marketers, right? There's a lot happening. There's a lot still coming down. So, you know, really having that skill set and making sure your clients are aware and managing that. And even if it means, at the expense of your budget, but you're telling your client, hey, you should pull out of this and put it here because this just makes more sense for where you are and where the space is. Like you just have to be there as an agency. Mm -hmm. You can't function like you were, you know, before. Or else Tenuti will eat your lunch. That's true. That's how I feel. I'm very intimidating for people who can't see me right now or don't know me. I'm very scary. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think it's, you know, it's such an interesting time for agencies but a good time, right? Like if you can understand this stuff and understand how every platform is impacted and how aggregate measurement is there and the different suggestions, like it's a great opportunity because it is such a complicated time, right? So if you can capitalize on it, do it. Like it's the time to do it. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Liz, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for sharing your insights. I really do appreciate it. It's always fun to chat with you. You've got great ideas and you convey them in a wonderful and interesting way. Thank you so much. No, and thank you for having me. Excited for whatever next uh, crazy thing comes out so we can schedule another uh, chat on the world we live in. (laughs) 